by me, D.B. Spitzer, and this guy right over here on my virtual right and my virtual left. Dave, Farmer Dave, how you doing? I am well. Yes, Farmer Dave is everywhere. Good, 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 yes. Farmer Dave, far, Farmer Dave, it fills the universe. It's small <laughs> enough. Send, send your blasphemous comments or anti-blasphemy comments to Radio Free Oleander, care of. <laughs> the internet. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 Dave, uh, how's 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 things been going? Everything's been kind of pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. Um, yeah, I let the horses. I mean, I let the goats go, and uh, they uh, pretty much knocked Minion on his, his butt when he was racing his sister around town. So, oh, well, that's good. Uh, yeah. So you know, it felt good. Anybody, nice. anybody whose greatest joy is the beat people with sticks dressed as Krampus, you know, uh, when they commit misdemeanors. Mm-hmm. You know what? They deserve dirty goats running over them once in a while. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. <laughs> so, have we talked since Christmas? Uh, I, I I know we... Uh, not verbally. We've, we've, we've texted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. We, I don't think we've talked since we've, Christmas. We, so. I think we may have recorded around Christmas, Christmas Eve or something like that. But yeah, no. Uh, yeah, things have been pretty boring. I mean, um, you know, graveyard still pretty busy. Uh, mayor's uh, incommunicado currently, uh, doing mayor stuff. I'm, I'm sure skydiving into some cold Arctic air front somewhere, as he likes to do. As will be um, Mayor Cooper's, yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> like to do this. <laughs> So yeah, no. Uh, so I've, I've I've pretty much been off work, uh, just kind of goofing around, uh, putting together remote control cars with the kids, working on stuff, just just pretty much doing my thing, and just kind of you know hanging out. <laughs> yeah, you, you you know what goats love? What do goats love? Candy canes. Candy canes. I did not know yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's just salt sugar. You know, you don't want to feed them too much. But yeah, sure, they, sure. they love this time of year because they get the, the candy canes. Oh, wow. That's, yeah. I, I I had one of the worst candy canes in my life today, actually, this morning. Well, not this morning, this afternoon. Okay, no. It was this morning. I was having a candy cane. I was cleaning up some stuff, and I found this candy cane. And uh, this is just a couple days before New Year's, everyone. So this this is... You know, a couple days after Christmas, I was cleaning up a candy cane that I found, and it was rainbow-striped, and I'm like, ooh, tutti-frutti, and then I peel off the wrapper, and I taste it, and it's this Fruit Loops. I'm like, it tastes like Fruit Loops cereal. It's like that. It's 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 like they... And and I was like, why, why does this candy cane taste like Fruit Loops? And Sarah's like, 
because it's a Fruit Loops flavored candy cane. And I'm like, this is gross. And she's like, yeah, that's why it was on the floor. The kids had one and they thought it was gross. They said it tastes like that nasty orange candy or that orange cereal. And I'm like, yeah, it just tastes like, like someone just squeezed a bunch of orange, lemon and lime flavor together and left it on cardboard. And that's just, that's Fruit Loops for you. Thanks, you General Mills yeah. or whoever makes Fruit Loops. You you made a terrible cereal. <laughs> so so Christmas Eve, I get a knock on the door. Sure. And what do I hear? What do you hear? But Norwegian Christmas carols. Hey, I know those so, guys. So, yeah, so my friend, you know, Bjorn and Sven and Sven, mm-hmm. they came to sing Christmas carols. You know, they're actually really good. And but uh, they they bless their hearts, they made me cookies. Oh, that's nice. And so sugar cookies um and so they wanted to make cookies with m&ms right yeah but they haven't been in america very long so to them one bag of candy that has you know little round candies is just like the others so, so i'm hoping you got skittles. reese's Pe- oh skittles i was hoping reese's oh, pieces <laughs> oh you know, i love reese's pieces kid no it had they so they, they, they had had bacon Skittles, which wasn't bad. I mean, it's not great. But, you know, you're thinking you're going to get an M&M or a Reese's Pieces, and you bite into, you know, a Ooh. lemon or a cherry Skittle. Yeah, you might crack uh, a tooth. It, your tongue just doesn't know what to do. <laughs> That's, uh, that sounds like a good uh, practical joke. Or, I mean, I'm sure uh, they that, that wasn't yeah, their they, intention, but... <laughs> Yeah, you know, one could do it right maliciously. Their heart was in the right place. <laughs> That's funny. I had a cookie and I didn't know what it was at first. I was like, I couldn't tell what it was that was like instead of chocolate chips. And it was like, uh, those like, uh, those chocolate mints, those mint chocolate like Andes candies or. Andres oh, like, or... like little tiny Yorks? Yeah, and they, they they were cut, and I was like, "What? What is this like multicolored chip?" And it's like, "Oh, that's like, that's not unpleasant." <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I think they put that on Voodoo Donuts. I think they put Yorks on Voodoo Donuts somewhere. I don't know. Hmm. If they don't, and you start doing it, Voodoo Donuts, please send your check to Radio Friolian. <laughs> care of. <laughs> I know some better donut places than that than I swing my my cool donut ideas to, and I have in the past. Dot Donuts, Vancouver, Washington. Dot Donuts. Uh, the favorite donuts by DJ Quick. <laughs> DJ Quick seriously stopped in there once and was like, these are the best donuts. And we're like, yay. And the owners are like, some DJ named DJ Quick said, do you know anything about it? And I'm like, ooh, we can't tell you any of the songs that he wrote because you'd be really offended because you're... Anyway. <laughs> so so we, before we get into our... To- <clears throat> excuse me. Our topics, are we are we saying our favorite donut place? Uh, my favorite donut place, yeah, is, is probably Dot Donuts in Vancouver, Washington, because, I mean, I developed their grapefruit donut and their sparkly raspberry donut. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, then I'll have to try those out next time I'm there. <laughs> Personally, though, my yeah. choice, and no charge, uh, Cocoa Donuts. Cocoa Donuts. On, um, on um, Broadway in Portland. Yeah. So you can get lavender donut and you get a lavender coffee. Nice. 
and, and what they have these have this huge giant pane glass window that you can look out and, and you can just drink your lavender coffee what, eat your lavender donut what, what street is that Portland off of go by What's broadway broadway okay yeah right i know across, exactly where that's right at. across from uh where uh, uh things from another world used to be yeah yeah Oh man, I remember going to places. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. I, I was trying to like remember the name of the places because I haven't been there in over a year. But you know, they've got old, old, you know, uh, swing up seats like that were taken off of some school auditorium. Yeah, and you just sit there and there's magazines and you just spend the day watching Portland walk by. I have to, I have to correct something. Um, my favorite donuts are the donuts that I make. I, 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 I will make like sourdough donuts i'll make rye bread Ooh. donuts I'll, I'll make like just just a kind of a almost almost savory donut that just is fried rye bread dough with a little bit of powdered sugar on top i can make my own glazes i mean i i, I learned from some pretty good people a lot of different things i went to uh, a pretty fancy culinary school a billion years ago but yeah no donuts is one thing that i really love and again i will tell you what you keep calling a charcuterie board america is an antipasta platter or a cheese platter or a deli meat tray platter charcuterie is a combination of cured meats not necessarily slummy but like deviled eggs that's charcuterie meatloaf is technically charcuterie uh salami you can put salami on a charcuterie plate but just an example of it's kind of like showing people how awesome you are at curing you can put pickles on there it's not an antipasta platter i will Put this soapbox over here, Dave. Let me just. There it is. I'm just. There. My my charcuterie soapbox is over there. I'm gonna leave it over there until next year. You, you know. What, you know what I thought a charcuterie board was? What's that? I thought it was a place where uh, Brody did the autopsy on the tiger shark in Jaws. <laughs> I've never heard of a charcuterie board before, <laughs> so I'm going to take your word on it. How long have you lived near Portland? And you Okay. Anyway, yeah, no, charcuterie board. Um, it's something that I get upset about. People will be like, I love this charcuterie board at this place. They have this cheese on it. And I'm like, that's a cheese tray. <laughs> that's a well, cheese plate. Well, now I will know. I will know not to, to confuse them. Well, you can confuse them all you want. Just don't do it in front of me because uh, I'm talking to the mayor about getting uh, some laws passed in Oleander. That you can only call certain things charcuterie boards. The charcuterie ordinances? Yep, yep, yep. The Spitzer Ordinance of uh, 2020. <laughs> well, I'll get behind that. So what are we talking about today besides oh. charcuterie boards? Well, we're not talking about charcuterie boards because the soapbox is way over there and the other side of the studio. We are talking about... Uh, you asked me to watch some Twilight Zone episodes... And then I forgot to watch them. And then I watched them for this week's episode. And I believe we are also talking to, or you spoke to, uh, writer extraordinaire Samantha Underhill. And... Oh, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to correct you there. Okay. She is probably a great writer, but she is actually a psychophysicist. Uh, psycho okay. She has two PhDs. Sure. And she does a lot of voice work okay with lovecraft stories very you can cool find her on uh facebook and also on um youtube All but right. she does a lot of a lot of readings cool 
Very cool. Uh, Very cool. Yes. And then I think we were going to finish it off with some IRL chat. I, Farmer Dog, Farmer Dave, don't know what that means. <laughs> I, will, I will believe you when it happens. All right. Okay. So first, let's, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's. Let's uh, let's go over and uh, talk about uh, Twilight Zone. There, you had uh, okay. you said, "Hey, can you watch some Twilight Zone?" And I said, "Yeah, sure. Which ones?" And you gave me a list. Like, oh, I want to say the end of November. <laughs> it it no, probably it wasn't that late. It well, wasn't that late. It was only a couple weeks ago. I'm I'm just making fun of my own procrastination. Oh. But um, yeah, no. And it was uh, which episodes were they, Dave? So it was the three holiday ones. The the ones that we uh, associate with the, the holidays. All right. Uh, and that is uh, Five Characters in Search of an Exit, mm-hmm. uh, The Night of the Meek, yeah. and The Changing of the Guard. The Changing of the Guard. The Changing of the Guard was the only one I hadn't seen. Night of the Meek, um, I'd seen it a long time ago before I even knew what the Twilight Zone was. And I remember... Uh, Five characters in search of an escape, or uh, whatever it's called. An, an exit. An exit. Uh, I remember running across it, like, in my teens, and I clearly knew what the Twilight Zone was, but I didn't know that I'd stumbled across a Twilight Zone episode, and I was watching it, and I was like, whoa, this is amazing. What is this? And then, at some point in time, I was like, oh, I... 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 I know what this is. I and not not that I knew it was the Twilight Zone, but I had guessed the ending, and I was like, the end, the, the twist. Yeah, and I was like, oh, because I always get mad when I do that because it happens way too often, way too early for me sometimes. Not with the Twilight Zone so much, but like movies where you're not supposed to guess the twist ending. I'm always like mad when I like make a joke to someone and then someone else gets mad, like, don't ruin the movie for other people. Anyway. That was put down as one of the reasons for my divorce. <laughs> Not that I put it down, but but so so on better subjects. I want I want to tell you why I love the Twilight Zone so much. Go for it, go for it. So I went to Hollywood Beach Elementary School, okay, in the beautiful downtown Oxnard, California. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Dr. Cody was our principal, okay. And whenever it had rainy days, we all had to because we didn't have snow days or anything like that. But we had rainy days where they would keep us in the cafeteria uh-huh. at lunch. And so what would happen is there was one of the local L.A. We were in the L.A. market. One of the L.A. stations would play Twilight Zone from 11 to noon. So on rainy days, we got to watch Twilight Zone. Whoa. And and that was pretty the only times that they were playing him at that time. You know, there wasn't on demand Mm -hmm. or, you know, later the marathons would all come. But so I just. On the rainy days, we would watch Twilight Zone. My, my friend, he had like this really silly sort of Space 1999 board game, and we yeah. would play Space 1999 and watch Twilight Zones. And cool. I think the first one I saw was actually the, f- ironically, was the first one ever made or <laughs> first one ever broadcast. It's the one where the guy wakes up and he's in the town all by himself. Yeah. And it turns out he's actually, you know, frozen in, in, in a, a cryo space. Uh-huh. Um, and then the, there was the one about the robot baseball player. Oh, yeah. And then was the the changing of the guard and um, the, um, oh, uh, the uh, 
of five characters in search of an exit. And so that, that's where I just developed. And now I have an intellectual appreciation mm-hmm. for Twilight Zone. But I just love. That's where I grew up my, my, my just my fascination and my love for Twilight Zone. I think I saw the movie before I saw. I mean, like I'm old enough that I saw the movie as a kid before I saw the uh, television show, or maybe I saw like. In, or, I'm trying to remember if I saw the movie but first, or if I saw like the uh, the reboot, like uh, a reboot in the eighties. The eighties. The eighties. And uh, with uh, Dan Aykroyd, yeah, you want to see something really scary? Want to see something really scary? Yeah, and I was like, I know that was from the movie, and the scene with John Lithgow uh, doing the same thing that uh, James Kirk did, uh, Bill Shatner. Yeah, uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah. I, so, I know that was so. The movie. That's something that I think has to be addressed. Or, or, or you know, first of all, Shatner was in two Twilight Zones. Oh yeah. Yeah, he was also in one where he and his wife get addicted to this fortune-telling machine, and they won't leave. Okay. But credit where credit is due. The Twilight Zone had the greatest, you know, uh, uh, person out there, whatever, I forgot the name real quickly, the casting. Mm-hmm, they, mm-hmm. The person, they just, the person did their casting was amazing. Yeah. They got young Robert Redford. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They got... Uh, you know William Shatner. They got Donald Pleasant. There's even one with James Dean. Yeah, I mean I, they had the most incredible casting that TV had. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I also feel like they. Uh, <laughs> I feel like uh, some of those may have been exceptions, as like the Twilight Zone also is like just very much like working stage actors. Hey, working stage actor. You want to make 50 bucks today? <laughs> Working stage actor, um, 37-year-old man with a blocky head. Come here, come here. How do you look in a shirt <laughs> and tie? <laughs> so, but but at the same point, um, The Night of the Meek? Oh, yeah. That that was Art, Art Carney. Yes. Who was probably one of, if not the most popular TV people at that time. Yeah, yeah. No, and it's, that's, that's, that's. That is such an, uh, I, that is a very emotional episode, uh, Night of the Meek. That is, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. That's, that's, that's one of those that I'm, I know that I've seen it, uh, they, they, they redid that one, I think, uh, either for the movie or, uh, the reboot, but. For, for the 1980s. Okay. And he was played by, uh, Richard Mulligan. Okay. Who is most famous for he was Bert and soap but he was also um the father on empty nest okay which was a an 80s sitcom that went like 10 years yeah 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 no no yeah that was that that's that's a really good one that's a really good one and you always I mean ha, every time I, I I watch it I I forget how it ends and I think it's gonna end in a different twist than it is or I'm more cynical yeah. and I think it's gonna end more darker than it is and it's like oh yeah no this is a Twilight Zone holiday episode it's not gonna be as bad as you guess it is <laughs> yeah you know and the one that so the one that freaked me out at the beginning mm-hmm. was you know five characters in search of an exit yeah and and, and I was much younger when I mean I was in like fifth grade fourth grade when I first saw it mm-hmm. and it come I completely got suckered by the 
the ending. I don't know if we want to spoil it or we want to tell people to just go out and see it themselves. Well, it's it's okay. Uh, what? Yeah, I, I kind of feel like anything over twenty years, if if you haven't yeah. gone <laughs> out of your way. I mean, you know, there are young people who listen to this and are like just haven't gotten around to it. But uh, one thing I want to say: there was a Pixar movie that I watched that when I was watching it, I'm like. Oh, they just kind of ripped off that episode of the Twilight Zone. <laughs> oh. I think it was uh, the second uh, installment of that series. <laughs> what was this Toy Story? Or? Well, I was trying to be subtle about it so I didn't spoil anything. But yeah, I think to- something about Toy Story 2 of like the toys being like uh, like I- donated... Uh, just kind of was like, oh yeah, this is very kind of, or uh, I even think the initial uh, Toy Story with Buzz Lightyear, like not realizing that is a toy, and everyone else being yeah. like, oh, you'll get it sooner or later, and like the the major or the brigadier, I can't remember, uh, sergeant, uh, the, the soldier, yeah, the soldier uh, toy being like, oh, I gotta get out of here. What if I use my sword? And you know, kachunk. But yeah, no. Uh, yeah. I thought some poor kid's gonna get a broken sword that that was my my thought too and it's like that's why the swords are always broken or lost (laughs) but no I I, I thought they were in hell you know oh no it turns out they're toys waiting to be given away yeah yeah no it's just like wait a minute what and it's kind of like what kind of threw me off the first time I saw it is like who's wait a minute no, that can't be. Who's 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 giving out hobo toys? <laughs> who's who's giving? <laughs> uh, you know, little tramp toys. You know, it's like I, I don't even know what the uh, the nomenclature back then if if it would be even usable today. But um, yeah, no, no. Uh, that that was a really really good episode. And very, very, very easy to film. I mean, the costuming was probably the roughest part about it. And, like, being like, okay, where in this circle are we going to film? Where in this half circle are we going to pretend is the other part of the half circle? (laughs) All right, clown, you walk out of frame. Okay, you all walk into frame. Okay, it's the other side of the circle. (laughs) Okay, pretend a loud bell rang. (laughs) But, yeah, no, it's, it's... I mean, it's 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 kind of like the quintessential bottle episode. It's like, okay, we spent so much money on the last episode. What could we do? Could we do five <laughs> characters in search of an exit? <laughs> but but I, I love it. <clears throat> oh, sorry. No it's problem. Always, you know, will be one of my favorite ones. <laughs> so, is anything you wanted to before I sort of change the subject here on you, kind of related, but. Um, Anything you wanted to say about uh, Changing of the Guard? Changing of the Guard. That one, all throughout it, I was trying to be like, oh, is he, did he, did he kill himself? And now he's going to be teaching these students in the afterlife forever as his eternal reward? Like, he loves teaching so much, is he just going to be with all these kids who died in different wars or researching leukemia or whatever? And, and I'm like, well, I guess that's where this episode's going. <laughs> that's, that is really dark for a Halloween, uh, Christmas episode. Uh, you know, uh, academic commits suicide and is a ghost teacher forever. Or, you know, it's like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. And I like that they called him uh, Old Weird Beard. 
But, yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, that was a, a really nice one. And I'm like, oh, hey, makeup's really come a long way since then. Yeah. So, so, so he was supposed to have been teaching for 50 years. Yeah, yeah. When they filmed it, Donald Pleasant was only 23. I mean, 43. <laughs> yeah. 43, excuse me. Well, I could tell that whoever was under all that old age makeup was probably under 50 because i'm like that old old age makeup barely makes this person look like 60 (laughs) it looks like someone in their 50s with a bunch of crap on their face and and i'll tell you which movie that i kind of thought borrowed from this one what's that i got a very dead poet society oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. sort of you know dead poet society meets the fifth sense yeah, six cents. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no. It does Probably very much cents, yeah. have that kind of like, uh, you know, the teacher that makes the makes makes students care about something. You know, I was like, I've never done anything that students care about. Yeah. As opposed to the the teacher that show that comes to the school and shakes everyone up, sitting on their desks backwards and talking about Bob Dylan. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> changes the guard. So, since since we're talking about Rod Serling, sure, sure, he did a different Christmas show that has only been aired twice. Nice. And this is called me, a Carol for Another Christmas. Okay. And so it's basically a Christmas Carol, but Rod Serling. All right. And there's supposed to be only one copy left, and it's locked up in a film vault. In the in UCLA. Okay. <clears throat> oh, sorry about that. No problem. And um, so it was broadcast once, and then TMC broadcast it once, Whoa. or TCM broadcast it once. And as near as I can tell, it has never been aired again. And 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 I haven't seen it, but I I've, I've heard parts of the recording. Hmm. And and the di- you watch it. And apparently, like, the first six minutes of just this guy in this house, big old house. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, did Rod Serling do it? Once the dialogue starts, it's got Serling's signature dialogue. Huh. You know, it's got this just nifty, no-word-wasted, perfect dialogue. Yeah. But, so, there's this guy who basically, he, his son died in the war, and after... Uh, as an older sort of officer, he toured uh, Hiroshima mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, or, or Nagasaki okay. at, right after the war. Uh, and so he has become very much an isolationist. Hmm. And so his nephew, Fred, wants, is, wants, you know, is this sort of this globalist. And, and he's saying... Oh, you know, you know, you 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 rejected getting this guy from Poland to come. And he goes, no, we just we want to be isolated. We don't want to deal with these other countries. Mm-hmm. So here's here's the interesting thing that I think only Serling would have done. Mm-hmm. Both characters are anti-war. Yeah. You know, anyone else wrote it, you'd have a pro-war hawk. Mm-hmm. No, they mm-hmm. both agree. They just disagree on how they're gonna do it. Huh. So one is like, one is. Um, you know, uh, an isolationist, and the other is a globalist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, he, the, 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 you know, he gets visited by the, the, the three ghosts, uh, and the, um, so he, he, 
uh, when the main character toured uh, uh, Japan after the war, mm-hmm. he toured her with a, a nurse who was, at, and this was actually played by uh, Eva Marie Saint. Okay. Uh, and so, you know, they have this this flashback mm-hmm. of where of uh, uh, of you know this conversation. You know, he said, you know, this is going to you know uh, end the war, and so. Or, you know, we need to, to separate. And she says, no, you know, we've got to go and help people. Mm-hmm. And then um, there's a, the, the ghost of, of Christmas uh, past is this uh, World War II soldier, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the, or not World War II, World War One soldier. And he says, yeah, we all died for nothing. So, you know, it's very sort of surpassing. But then when the ghost of Christmas future comes, He's in this town, and this, the basically because they did not have town meetings, mm-hmm. the the, the world, future America becomes isolationist, and um, we have a nuclear war. Okay. How beautifully naive are the people in the '60s that they thought town halls would end nuclear war? <laughs> And, and, and here's the funny thing: so the recording I found actually on YouTube. These mm-hmm. two guys that were talking about it and had some of the audio recording. They mm-hmm. didn't know what a town hall was. Hmm. You know, so maybe maybe they're right. And, and so what's happened is Peter Sellers becomes this character called the Imperial Me. He's kind of like the mayor over everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're like, be he-, and this guy's butler like stands up and and like says. No, we should believe in the Constitution. We should share with other countries and share with other people. You know, and, and Peter Sellers has him killed. Uh, and then, you know, oh, it was all a dream. And he realizes, no, isolationism isn't the way to go. We should all be globalists. All right. So the networks don't let this show be showed anymore. <laughs> and, and parts of it, the parts that I have seen and heard, parts of it are ridiculous. Yeah. But Sterling's dialogue is as good as it gets. Mm-hmm. Cool. And there's a there's a story, and I can't confirm it, and it's probably not true. Okay. But the original draft was supposed to be the last thing Ian Fleming wrote. Huh. Interesting. Which Ian Fleming as a is a, and was way of very much a globalist against communism. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But there was also I know at the time they tried to get him to write uh, Man from Uncle. Yeah. Um, and he, he just wrote these pages of just undecipherable hand, you know, handwritten notes that nobody knows what means. So right. I, I kind of don't believe that. But eh, you know, the story is that the original draft was written by uh, Peter uh, Ian Fleming, who wrote the James Bond stories. Interesting stuff, huh? Well, that's cool. All right. Well, that's uh, that's me and Dave talking about the Twilight Zone. Anything else you had to say there, Dave? Or Imagine if you would that you're listening to a podcast and you're hearing from a strange town. Is it Oleander or is it from the Twilight Zone? Last trivia fact, ready? Yeah. You know who did the music for the 1980s Twilight Zone series? Who did the opening songs? Who? Grateful Dead. Aha. All right. 
And uh, up next, uh, Dave will be interviewing uh, Samantha Underhill, if I'm correct, right? Exactly. All right. And after that, we'll talk about some other stuff, okay? And we'll be with you after the break. The Necrocastican, where we blend horror and metal for your pleasure, and ours, with special guests from horror and metal, with host Smoke and Walt Ball, ah! Thomas R. Clark, Mr. Scott Reacts, you don't have to pay for it, which I think is ridiculous. Sergeant Fury Dan Roberts, and Uncle Skip Novak, train, train. and where can you find the Necrocastican, Sergeant Fury, wherever you get your fine-ass podcasts, Mondays on Project Entertainment Network. Thank you again for returning to Radio Free Oleander, KZOM in Clackamas County. And we have a very special guest today, and I'm going to let her introduce herself. Her name is Samantha Underhill. Hi, everybody. I am. I'm uh, Dr. Samantha Underhill. I'm a psychophysics professor who just happens to do literature narrations. Um, I do a lot of Lovecraft, a lot of Tolkien. Um, Borges, uh, Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, if you're interested in listening to any of it, you can find me on Samantha's com forward slash Samantha's reading, or uh, you can find me on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Samantha Underhill. That's where you. Yeah, really good stuff. And especially people like me growing up, you know. They didn't know what to call it when I was a kid in school, but you know I had an attention deficit disorder, and, and I'm I tend to skip in paragraphs when I read. So there were when I started listening to people read uh, Lovecraft, especially, or read it while I was listening to someone else, it just opened up entire you know vistas of story and language, especially the language part that I missed. I'd always focused in on the story because I could pick up the story, but I, I missed all the beauty in the language. So I, I love it anytime anybody does a, a, a reading. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, it brings a whole new dimension, um, a whole new dimension of emotion to it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it becomes a shared experience. Either, uh, yeah, absolutely. Now, how, how did you get into Lovecraft? Yeah. You didn't know you couldn't pronounce before. <laughs> uh, exactly. Uh, exactly. I I I I was Naraka Hotep. You know. I. Yeah. I I never got any. We have entire podcasts making fun of how I pronounce Lovecraftian creatures. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's a some funny blooper reels that people have uh, saying some of these names out there, but um. If I, Lovecraft. Uh, really, it was it was related to bullying as a, as a child. I, I've well, not as a child, but period. And now, even I have rather large eyes uh, and a rather small face. Otherwise, alien alien was my nickname. And uh, after a while, uh, being kind of bothered by it, one of my friends suggested I should embrace. It. And so I kind of uh, for a while looking for books about it, stories about it, uh, and ran into Lovecraft along the way and, and just fell in love. So, uh, oh, did, did, did I lose you there? Uh, the line kind of cut off. Okay, I'm not sure. It was weird. It was like uh, our, our voices sometimes were at the same time. I live in a cybernetic Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> so, so, so 
we trust Daniel has edited all the confusing parts out. So, so you you did this as a, a reaction to to bullying? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, after after being called alien for a while, you have to put some sort of positive spin on it. So, you know, uh, my positive spin was to enjoy it and to uh, you know find things I felt like I related to. So. You know, Lovecraft and all of his alien-like monsters and, and what have you really drew me in. Excellent. So so my introduction to Lovecraft, it's if you go to like Cthulhu Con or a Lovecraft film festival, every other middle-aged white guy with a beard, which I am, is going to tell you the exact same story. That they found Lovecraft when they were 13 in the public library. And in my case, it was, you know, the Oxenard Public Library, and they had two copies of Lovecraft stories in the old Arkham, 1950s Arkham House um, publications. I don't even know which ones. It was one had a gray cover and the other had a burgundy cover. And that's what I called it, you know, the beige and the burgundy version. And I checked them out like every six months. And one little difference in my story is that it was my mother who read them first. And she brought them to me and said, I think you're really going to like these. And she must have just read um, Mountains of Madness because she talked about how the aliens came and they created these creatures and that some of them still stayed after, you know, the after the war. And and that my mom explaining basically, you know, Mountains of Madness to me is what hooked me when I was 13. Yeah, well, Mountains of Madness is just such a good story, too. So, you know, that's not a surprising hook. So, what, what, um, you know, Lovecraft is known for, you know, his, his, his creatures and his deities. What, uh, what is your Lovecraft? My Lovecraft, uh, favorites? Um, yes. it's Probably not Narlathotep. Uh, I really enjoy the the level of power he gave to that particular uh, deity. You know, the idea of this Egyptian sort of god that has returned and and can do essentially anything it wants to. I, I, I find fascinating. You know, and as far as monsters, that's a little harder to <laughs> that's a little harder to say. You know, uh, certainly Cthulhu is super well known and. Uh, really well developed and has been picked up and wrote about by other writers but uh, you know he's got so many he's developed whole races of, of monsters and uh, that's that's like you know asking to pick a favorite child I don't know if I can do that <laughs> yeah, yes so, so so my analogy was gonna be a little bit different mine was it, it changes every once in a while so if you'd ask me what my favorite food is yesterday you know, it would have been pizza. And if you ask me what my favorite food is tomorrow, it's probably going to be orange-flavored chicken. But tonight, <laughs> it's enchiladas. And so the enchiladas of Lovecraft, at least what I like tonight, is the Migo, the fungi from Yugoth. Yeah. And I, I yeah. love them because they are so alien. They are they're, they're so alien that they, their sound doesn't even pick up on our recording devices as normal. But at the same part, I get them. They're explorers. They're they're afraid of being overpowered by the human beings. They seem to be afraid afraid of Nagahotep so that they worship them, but they don't because they have to. They're so alien, but at the same part, I get them. If that makes any sense. They're so alien, but there's part of it I still connect with. 
I think that's what I love about his work, though, is that uh, you've not necessarily seen it prior to him, anything like those things. You know, he, he definitely had uh, a very creative mind and came up with some really cool, uh, fun characters across the time. You know, absolutely. A, a lot. Just so, so original. Uh, what is your favorite Lovecraft story? Oh, that's kind of like you said. You know, one night at enchiladas and one night at pizza. It it it, it kind of changes. I will say I'm a probably unusual person in that I have been drawn more greatly to his poetry than I am to his short stories over the years. Uh, I love his poetry. Uh, I I love his storytelling poetry. I love uh, I love his poetry because some of it is strangely beautiful for a man who. Uh, you know, really didn't want to have traditional relationships and what have you. He he really came up with some great things. I do love the cats of Ulthar, um, and and that's not because I'm necessarily a cat person, but I do love some cats, and I I like the idea of the the little boy being the connection to the cats in the story, and uh, sort of those people giving their just desserts. Um, yeah. I strangely love Sweet Ermengarde, uh, Heart of a Country Girl, the one that he wrote under the name Percy Simple, just because it's so unexpected, I think, for him. And, uh, you know, the the twist of the fact that the woman ends up with the bad guy yeah. <laughs> is pretty great. You know, who doesn't like a mustache twirling bad guy? Um, but, yeah, his, his poetry is really what made me fall in, in, in love with his works. Uh, Nasa Khanna is probably my favorite of those. But, honestly, if you ask me uh, in another week or two what it was, like you said, it might be different. <laughs> I just uh, I love his work. Uh, Derek Cook, who uh, does the Monster Kid, uh, uh, Monster, uh, Kid podcast, uh, we were discussing yeah. last month uh, the poetry of Robert E. Howard, and we were talking about in the 30s, you know, poetry was the art form of the masses. That A lot during the Depression, they might not be able to afford musical instruments, but families would get together and they would read poems that would be in the newspaper. And then Amazing Tales, you know, published a poem in every episode, or I mean every issue, from its first to its last. Well, he just had such a way of description that isn't really used by other authors the same way and you know I think one reason I love Nathakana so much is you can tell how the the character that he's speaking from the perspective of is so in love with this Nathakana and the loss of her what that does to him and uh, how it just eats him from the inside out practically and it's just uh, the first time I even read it to do a narration of it, I cried. And I thought, oh, Lord, this is going to be a terrible, terrible narration. But I had so many people tell me that they they never thought of that emotion in it. And so uh, they really appreciated that particular recording. But, um, you know, he, he's got a way with words. <laughs> that is one uh, thing. Oh, that is definitely a way with words. Now, a slight, kind of slightly different question. Let's say you had a friend who's interested in, in reading Lovecraft but has never read any of his stories. What would you suggest to them for the first story to try to get them introduced? Get them introduced? I think the story that introduced me was a really good uh, introduction, and that was The Thing on the Doorstep. Um, okay. I love that 
story so much. Um, and it kind of gets you into some of his more mythos stories and, uh, you know, really, I would say I would say that uh, and The Shadow Over Intimate are pretty classic uh, for me. De- definitely. Um, and I, I, kind I of, think that they would you know, be a good introduction. I, I kind of, when people ask me, I, in fact, I had someone say, well, should I be reading his stories in, in the role that, in, in order that he wrote them? And I go, well, no, he gets better as he goes. You might want to start, but I, I often suggest Call of Cthulhu just because it's four stories in one, it kind of gets yeah. this idea of where he's he's going with uh, with the stories. Yeah, yeah, and I, I definitely, I can see that giving it some direction. Mm-hmm. Now, um, what do you think are some of the impact that Lovecraft has had on, on modern writing, modern horror, but just uh, on pop culture in general? I mean, for sure, the the idea of this existential horror type uh, you know uh, things that you can't see that feeling at the back of your neck when you know something's wrong but not necessarily what's wrong I, I love that about Lovecraft and I think more and more authors following after him have used some of that um, that stylistically in, in, in their their movies and things they have created and certainly then we've Seen a lot of his work be worked into actual television series and, and, and movies and what have you. And but but I think the the stamp he made on the world was the idea that, in my opinion, yes, although some of his his his, his works have gruesome things in it, it wasn't the gore and the gruesome that was so horrifying. It was it was that sense of anticipation and, and worry and I think that, that that people who really liked his work that have emulated him have have, have done so in that way um, you know recently with a lot of uh, the more racial division we've seen in, in the United States and across the world um, I think there's been a lot of attention drawn to some of his his more personal feelings of race and some things that he had written but but I really don't think that that's the major impact of what he's given to us uh, in the world of, of entertainment and of, of literature. I think what he's given us is uh, the ability to tell a beautiful, detailed story that that makes you just feel uneasy. <laughs> I yeah, personally and, and like there's... being made to feel uneasy. And there's this, this sort of greater sort of fear that, that this terrible monster is, is is scary and horrific, but the fact that the universe really doesn't care about you is this greater <laughs> sort of, you know, you know, yeah. you know, you know, the the, the the Shoggoth is bad, but the reality is the universe doesn't care whether you live or not. That's that's the yeah. horror. That's the really scary part. It's it's not coming for you. It's- it just doesn't care if you get if you get taken in the in the in the path, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I think that's very interesting about him. And you know, one of his uh, um, one of the stories that he supposedly followed, and I'm going to say his name wrong, Guy Guy de Maupassant, uh, the French writer who wrote uh, uh, about um, oh, what is the name of that? Uh, I'm actually looking it up, y'all. If you're hearing me, click my keyboard. Uh, he wrote a story that 
that Lovecraft mentions that he, he kind of used this, his idea for um, for creating these, you know, Cthulhu and what have you, the the, the Orla, La, La Orla, uh, and and it was that same kind of thing that he had going. That Lovecraft, I think, it continued that idea of you can't always see the things where we should be afraid of, uh, and and I like that. I, I enjoy that. Uh, that, that supernatural horror feeling, uh, I think, is a great legacy of Lovecraft. Absolutely. And, you know, and we see it in as diverse places as, you know, the original Ridley Scott alien. You know, Stephen King has said yeah. that, you know, it, this is us going, the elder, the elder gods are no longer coming to us. We're going to them. And we see it in things like right. Hellboy and, I, I mean, uh there were three original Star Trek episodes written by Robert Block, who w- wrote Psycho, who was very much part of Lovecraft's uh, circle. In fact, the only person that Absolutely. Lovecraft ever dedicated a story to. So even in Star Trek, we see we see Lovecraft's influence. Absolutely. And I think um, some of the great modern creators of, of those sci-fi horror type groups have been impl- in, impacted by him in some way or form, you know, shape or form. And, and that, that's quite a legacy. Uh, absolutely. Well, I could spend all day talking to you about Lovecraft, but uh, we're about running out of time. So is there anything you'd like to share or no, I mean, I, I guess if you guys, you know, are interested, certainly to check out some of my narrations. Uh, again, check out YouTube, search Samantha Underhill. Samantha Underhill with Lovecraft will get you to me every single time. Uh, and uh, I'd love for you to take a listen. Yeah, excellent. I, I can definitely endorse these. are excellent narrations. And thank you. We would love to have you on the show again. And um, again, a happy new year. Thank you again to Samantha Underhill. Sorry for problems with audio. Hey everyone, it's me and Dave. We're uh, we're, we're about to break that fourth wall. Hold on one second. Let me push that. Over. Okay. So. Okay. <sighs> I got it. Fourth wall. Okay. I'm 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 gonna make the Wayne's World sound. Okay. All right. All right. We're set. We have officially. Uh, Entered into uh, the real world from Oleander, and uh, I'm I'm in Portland, Oregon right now. It's kind of cold. I'm, you know what? I'm, I, I put on the uh, compressor and the limiter. Hopefully, the sound of this won't be too loud. <laughs> it's freezing in the studio right now. Uh, yeah, no. So uh, it is the 27th or the 28th. I'm not quite sure, but yeah. Uh, or the 31st. Or yeah, no, yeah. Today is like the 20th. Ninth. Oh well. So, so Twenty ninth. Okay. Now that, now that I'm not Farmer Dave and I'm actually David Heath. So that story about the the cookies and the Skittles. Uh huh. Our neighbors actually brought up. Oh wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think maybe, I think maybe they, I mean they're cool people and there was a lot of other cool candy. Uh-huh. My my nephew took one and he was like Ugh. and he kind of waited and saw me going Ugh, you know but yeah it was Skittles. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Them, them cookies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get anything fun for Christmas, Dave? Uh, so my sister got me the Lone Wolf and Cub omnibus. Whoa, very cool. I have a couple of the individual episode uh, issues floating around uh, my long boxes, but I don't think I have a 
complete set of any kind. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, I'm familiar with it, but I've never actually read it, read oh. it through, so I'm pretty excited. Nice. And my mom gave me a, a Spider-Man Christmas uh, tree ornament. Very cool, very cool. So, what did you get for Christmas? Oh, let's see, I got a lot of uh, cables uh, for my guitars. I, let's Ooh. see, uh, stuff to hang guitars off of walls so I'm not just, like, have guitars uh, piled up like cordwood. I, I literally have a stack of guitars in my bedroom. Uh, let's see, I got a bunch of uh, pedals, some amplifiers, uh, bass amplifier. I got a really nice uh, delay pedal that, oh, man, it, I, can, I can, like, almost do the Doctor Who theme song without too much... Uh, too, 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 oh, too many nice. different pedals. <laughs> uh, nice. Let's see. Uh, yeah, and uh, along with Doctor Who, I also got a... Uh, in the spirit of Doctor Who, I also got a... Uh, best way to describe it would be a British uh, amp simulator uh, oh, for cool. my amp. It's, it's a preamp that makes my amp sound like an old British amp. Not like other does British it, Does amps. it drop its H's? <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it hides Hendrick, its T's. Hendrick, come here and listen to this. <laughs> I now apologize to every English speaker <laughs> on both sides of the pond. Yeah, and uh, I apologize to all British musicians. Uh, I've, I've really been... Or, <laughs> metal musicians from the uh, early 70s. I've been playing a lot of Black Sabbath. And <laughs> on my... Uh, I... I uh, down-tuned my uh, uh, my my flying V and uh, my Explorer uh, bass, and have just really been kind of going jug 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 jug, and just yeah, down-tuned everything. Uh, it's I, I don't know if the neighbors can hear it or if they just kind of like feel this this malevolent presence in their in their systems, but. Yeah, a lot of... Uh, the vibration is in the air? Yeah, yeah it's, it's like really low frequency. Duh, duh, duh. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not a, a huge metal guy, but um, the fact that I can play metal fairly easily, uh, it's like once I uh, uh, drop-tuned uh, or uh, did a uh, drop-D on my uh, Firebird, uh, is like, oh wow, I, I now know how to play every white zombie song. <laughs> it was, <laughs> it's like, oh, all I have to do is this, and then, okay, I can just play the neck like that. Oh wow, this, okay, this is so easy. And then just get a little bit harder, a little bit harder, a little bit harder, and now I'm at a point where I can kind of play guitar halfway decent. <laughs> but oh, that's cool. That's, that's what I've been doing a lot. Well, quarantine, building guitars, making guitars, uh... Yeah, um, and lately the biggest thing I've been doing is hunting for this hum sound. When uh, my pedal chains up and I have my Firebird out, I get this hum sound, and I can't figure out where the hum's coming from. I've double-checked everything. I've copper-shielded everything. <laughs> it's it's like, where's the hum coming from, brother? <laughs> it's like, is it from the new delay pedal? No. Is it from this pedal? No. And I, I finally did figure out what the hum was coming from, and it was just um, 
uh, one, my uh, volume pot wasn't grounded properly, so I had to re-solder some stuff. Anyway, yeah, that's what I did uh, this morning as I was doing a bunch of re-soldering, and I also uh, wired up together a treble bleed, um, but that's that's just taking a capacitor and a resistor and soldering it onto a pot so that you get kind of a nice little bit of a... Anyway. Uh, <laughs> that's that's going way too into the weeds for some of this stuff. Sorry, everybody, but that's what I've been up to. <laughs> and that's babysitting. So, so, oh, I've been binging yeah, yeah. A, a music TV show, and it's your fault. Oh, no. What music because TV show? Because I had show? never heard of this, but until you had posted a clip on Facebook on three spots or something. And that's Mike Judge's uh, Tales from the Tour Bus. Oh, Tales from the Tour Bus. It's such a fun show, yeah. <laughs> somebody's gonna get it don't matter if it's a folk singer or if it's a country and western singer somebody's gonna pull out a gun and shoot somebody in that that somebody in that story oh yeah no no and it's like as mike judge was talking about he was uh watching like mtv and they were upset about something that nwa and then he switched channels to tnn or uh, the country music channel and like johnny paycheck had just gotten out of jail for shooting somebody <laughs> like the difference of singing about shooting somebody and like actually going to jail for it are two different things but yeah <laughs> the bus driver would take him to mcdonald's so they shot him in the air yeah oh geez <laughs> they shot him in the air and took the bus to McDonald's. Yeah, it's like how many times Jerry Lee Lewis has like pulled guns on people or threatened to shoot people or actually like fired semi-automatic weapons over people's heads and uh. a friggin' Tommy gun. <laughs> I think yeah. it was Jerry Lee Lewis, and they were, and it was because the party was dying. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, and gee. they were right next to this, this, uh, dentist, and they shot up fifty thousand dollars in nineteen sixty dollars worth of dentures yeah. through the wall. Oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah, Watch no. this show, people. It's amazing. It's it's amazing. Hopefully, it'll get a third season. The Funk the funk season, I thought, was pretty damn amazing. I really enjoyed uh, whether it be More Stay in the Time, Prince, Rick James, James George Brown, George Clinton. Oh, man. the uh, I really, really, really enjoyed the Bootsy Collins uh, talking about, like, accidentally giving uh james brown lsd in a slurpee and james brown like slowly dancing around with his hands above his head talking about how he's doing a new moon dance <laughs> or, or, or or george clinton stoned out of his mind and he comes in he sees his band playing he says you guys playing without me go, well let me hear what you're singing and they're rewinding it and it becomes he starts singing to it it becomes atomic dog yeah. you know atomic dog was them rewinding what they they done great show people oh I, yeah i can't uh you know, like you said you got you got to be willing to to listen to stories about people getting shot at yeah and you gotta have a little bit of tolerance or swear words but other I'm than sure. that it's a great show yep yep and uh, what else? Oh, uh, I've been, I started playing Final Fantasy VII Remake on my PS4 because I did not get a PS5 for Christmas because I and uh, those around me do not have that much money. <laughs> uh, understand. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, um, I mean, not, not to like go out. I, I don't even know if I, I would be able to find a PS5. I think I have the money for it, but I don't know if I'd be able to find one. But uh, yeah, no, no, uh, we're we're playing a lot of uh, let's see, Final Fantasy VII and uh, 
What's what, what else are we playing? Uh, Isn't that a, a contradictory or a terms or an oxymoron? Yeah. Final <laughs> Fantasy number seven. seven. <laughs> and uh, playing a, a remake of a another remake of a classic uh, game, uh, Katamari Damacy, which is a game where you roll around little bits, and those little bits become big bits, and you slowly like get to the point where you're like and your dad's god yeah yeah the king of the cosmos <laughs> yeah calm god yeah 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 no that's a fun uh, game Do, doing stuff like that but yeah yeah just a lot of like playing video games eating cookies sitting around enjoying the weather and uh going back to work sooner than later <laughs> yeah so so speaking of ps5 i, sure, I don't sure. play video games Oh, I yeah. study video games as anthropology. Mm-hmm. I study their storyline. I can't play the video games because I make the people walk in walls. Okay. But, and for good or bad, there may have you may have heard there was a little game release called Cyberpunk 2077. Sure, sure. Heard about it. Um, so, it has inspired me. I've actually got an online group now. Uh-huh. And I am... For 20 years, I've always wanted to run the fourth corporate war. Ooh. And that's the war where everything sort of goes crazy in the world. And it, it, it and so I finally have a group, to, and we're going to run the whole fourth corporate war. Oh, very which, cool. You know, in the 1990s, when I first ran like a couple of these, but I want to write the whole, the whole war from the beginning to the end. Um, it's set in 2021. Yeah. So now it's like, you know, okay, you have this musician. I think, should I use, you know, Johnny Silverhands or should I use a, you know, should I use a Billy English or Eilish? Yeah. You know, so uh, it, it's it, it, it's a completely different dimension. Yeah. But, yeah. So I'm I'm finally gonna I'm finally gonna do, uh, and then my. Uh, that, that corporate war then I'm going to hang up Cyberpunk 2020 and, and go into Cyberpunk Red cool which is which is basically the fourth version nice but yeah so I've been writing a lot for that very cool very cool yeah I haven't been doing much uh, RPG stuff except for Final Fantasy 7 <laughs> which I, 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 I missed it the other well I missed it the first time around I guess or I saw the graphics uh, and I was like, eh, I'll, make, I'll wait till they make a remake of it. <laughs> I know when the graphics came out, Final Fantasy VII was amazing, but I saw it a little bit after the graphics. I mean, after it came out. I, I didn't have a PS1 right away. I'm, I'm not, I'm not defending myself to you, Dave. I'm defending myself to the audience, just in case any of them are like, but Final Fantasy I don't VII was what you're good. Is, yeah. I, I get a PS1, but I, I I'm. I'm just taking you for your word. <laughs> no, in the past I've been like, yeah, I didn't play Final Fantasy VII. You know, was, yeah, the graphics aren't that great, and people would be mad. It's like, the graphics are great. The story was great. You don't know what you're missing. It's like, I guess I don't. <laughs> but now I do. So all those people who crabbed at me about it, you know what? Get over yourselves. I played it. <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, so what do we got going on for the New Year's, Dave? Uh, so it's New Year's, um, and we're going to be January. We are doing a 
new year, a new project. Ooh. And we've got a couple of interviews uh, uh, lined up. Uh, Katie Webster, who has done a couple of vampire novels and uh-huh. an adult superhero novel, mm-hmm. he is going to be not our competition, but our brother in podcasting. Oh, cool. Uh, so got a... Um, a uh, a uh, oh uh, interview with him where I explained to him that I have made twelve dollars podcasting, <laughs> so I'm the big bucks guy. Let me teach you how, son. And he's graceful enough to like take notes. Oh, cool. Um, we've got a few other things. Uh, I've got some. Uh, I've got I've got a uh, short fiction writer. Cool. And uh, Scott Ellis, who uh, people might remember, uh, he talked about. Uh, his game uh, or uh, Maximum Populous yeah. uh, role playing game which he developed which is just it's already it's out there you get it you can literally go to game stores and buy it and go wow that's just Whoa. amazing um, uh, but he's got a new game that's coming out and this is going to be a smaller game it's going to be mainly just on uh, uh, probably on uh, drive through RPG uh, and it is uh, a cyberpunk game Very but cool. a cyberpunk with robots and psionics and it's called Beta Red. Cool. And uh, we, we talk about that. And so we've got a, a lot of different new projects coming up. Very cool. Very cool. And just to let people know, for the book club uh, this month, we are going to be going, or uh, January, we're going to be going with uh, some hard-boiled detective stories, some pulpy punch-em-up stories. So that's going to be fun. I can't remember any of the I love titles. my noir. Yeah, no, this is... It's like I couldn't find any of this stuff during noir, so we went with the Lupin, and now I find it. <laughs> and let's see, uh, this last month we ended up doing science fiction, uh, some like uh, got, got pulpy... A lot of, actually, I got some uh, feedback on that, on uh, uh, Henry Nutter. Oh, yeah? Uh, that people just loved it. Oh, and, cool, and yeah. I, I, got, I got some... I uh, got some good feedback on that. That's very good. That's very good. I I, I, I really enjoyed it. I I generally enlo- uh, enjoy listening to the audiobook stuff, but you know, I, I I listen to it while I'm editing it, and uh, yeah, no, I, I actually listen to the uh, this stuff like twice, sometimes three times, to be like, oh, okay, that's what happened with Aradesh. No, not Aradesh. <laughs> various characters and like I'd, I'd, I'd miss an episode and I'd be getting, oh I gotta go back and listen to it, and it was, yeah it was, it was a lot of fun I really enjoyed it but yeah no serialized pulp stuff is really fun to listen to and if, if you can find it out there if you can find any old radio shows I highly recommend checking it out like suspense or anything like that but anything you want to yeah. say before we head off into uh, off into 2021 there Dave no other than you know with you and our listeners you know uh you know i know 2020 was disappointing shall we say but yeah. you know i have nothing but faith to make me think that 2021 is going to be better but uh, you know i got my faith yep yep yeah no uh hey if we don't see you all in festivals and film festivals and conventions in 2021 We'll see you in 2022. We're not going anywhere. We've got nothing better to do than uh, 
talk about spooky stuff and comic books and superheroes and RPGs and your video games and in your heavy metal music in your your Cthulhu mythos in your uh, pulp fiction in your shadows in your Lamont Cranstons in your xenomorphs and your extraterrestrials and all those guys. So yeah. And an occasional goat. Yeah, or ghosts. Yeah, you know what? You know, we we could uh, maybe uh, form a new business next year, Dave, for uh, people who, uh, you know, have ghosts or goats. Goats? Yeah, we could become goats, the goat, goats. goat busters. Like, someone calls up, there's a goat in my backyard and I don't know what to do. Like, hold on, lady. Wiener, wiener, wiener. Who are you going to call? Goat busters. Busters. I ain't afraid of no goats. <laughs> All right, everyone. You don't know them well enough. <laughs> we'll see you next year, everyone. Bye. Do-do-do-do-do-do.